wrapped up in it. Because as we talk, today is Palm Sunday. And if you uh, look at the, what we call the four canonical Gospels, okay? So the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? This story of Palm Sunday, or what I will call the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, appears in every one of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell this story from a different perspective, okay? It takes place in the days before what we know as the Last Supper, okay? If you grew up Catholic, you'll know this is the beginning of what they call the Passion Week, right? Now, we don't do that so much here, but that's the idea. He's the time of Jesus about to come to his suffering death and ultimately his resurrection, okay? which in the traditional churches is called Holy Week, and for us, you know, we just call it Easter, okay? So let's look at the one from John. I believe that's the one I have there, so if you could put that up uh, now, the next slide. Yeah, it is John 12, 9. It says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, because also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Pause, remember, a few, he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. On account for him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Okay, so the, the crowds are starting to follow Jesus now. Now you get the idea of why I'm saying out of the crowd. Jesus had just come to Lazarus, and he had raised Lazarus from the dead, and now he's heading towards Jerusalem. And so the crowds are starting to follow him now. And you see what it says? The crowds didn't only want to see Jesus. They wanted to see Lazarus, right? Because they were basically they were like us. They were like, ooh, ah, I want to see, I want to see. Okay? So this is the first hint we get at the motivation and the experience of a crowd. Okay? It's interesting. You say, well, it's good. A crowd is following Jesus. Isn't that what we want? Yeah, for sure. But understand, you get the motivation of the crowd right away in the story. What was the crowd going to see? They're going to see the wow factor, right? They heard something. Now, Jesus had been ministering for three years. And from times he had drawn crowds and they'd shrunk and they'd drawn crowds and they had shrunk. And this time he has a huge crowd and they're trying to, you know, follow him and so on. And so for Matthew, I'm just to, to show you know, so you can have it for you note takers. Matthew 21, 1 to 11. Mark 11, 1 to 11. Luke 29, 28 to 44. And John 12, 12 to 19. Jesus is doing this story. There they are. There's the four different uh, versions, if you will. I don't say versions because they're not very different, but the four accounts of what we call the triumphal entry, okay, as he heads in to Jerusalem. Um, it's, it's a bit complicated to explain it quickly, okay, but you need to, hope, I'll try and give you some tidbits, but as you're going uh, on here, as you come to Jerusalem, the way you walk into Jerusalem, anyway, so Jesus was on his way there, and Jesus walks in and he says, um, the crowd, it says, was doing amazing things. They were laying down their cloaks in front of him and laid down small branches of trees, what did the palm leaves, right? And they were putting them down on the ground and then they start to sing. Okay, they start to sing this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. This is from uh, Psalm 118. If you look back in the Old Testament, they were singing a psalm that was basically prophetic of the Messiah that was to come. Okay, and this is what they're singing. So now listen again. Now the crowd may have had a bit odd motivation. I want to see what's going on. I want to see the celebrity. I want to see the miracle. I want to see whatever. But what they were singing is true. Okay? Whether they knew it or not, whether they accepted it or not, what they're singing is actually true. They were correctly identifying through song Jesus as the Messiah. Okay? And they were 
correctly treating him regally by putting their cloaks on the ground, or by putting the palm trees down. The idea is, okay, so you understand, we're going to talk in a minute, Jesus is actually riding a donkey at this moment. The idea is that he's so holy that even the feet of his donkey shouldn't touch the ground. Okay? They were being reverent. And they'd heard about Lazarus, and here he comes, and they know Passover is coming. Now I need you to bear with me here because I'm going to get modern, ancient, modern, ancient. This crowd is a crowd of, who are these people? They said it already. They are all Jews, okay? And they are living under the impression of the Roman Empire. They, and I, I, we, we use the word oppression today like we know what it means. But you know right now in Myanmar, what's happening, if you follow the news, right now in Myanmar, the military has taken over Myanmar. They kicked out the elected government, and they're shooting men, women, and children in the street. That is oppression, Okay, not being told to wear a mask at Walmart. They're not, like, that's not oppression. Oppression is what's happening in Myanmar. And that's the type of life that the Jews were living. The Romans could do whatever they want, do whoever they want, whenever they wanted. They were an oppressive military power, and they controlled everything, even the religious aspects of Jewish life. Yes, they allowed chief priests and priests to run things, but only under the guise of Roman power. Okay, and so a lot of these people were suffering, really suffering. And here they see this man coming who had just raised Lazarus from the dead. They are acknowledging the Messiah. And we don't read it so much here, but we get to know something that's interesting. We need to realize that that crowd who is rightly praising Jesus with the right words and doing the right thing by taking off their cloaks and giving of their, their wealth to Jesus in that sense, is the same crowd, or at least becomes the same crowd, that days later is yelling, crucify him, crucify him, kill him, kill him. Maybe not all the same people, but the people, certainly some of them, and the people that were there praising him aren't there to defend him. So what happened in the crowd from the entry into Jerusalem to Jesus' death? And resurrection. How did they get from, you are the coming Messiah, we will take off our cloaks and let you walk on it. We will praise you and follow you in crowd to days later, kill him, kill him. Look, we could study the psychology of crowds. Has anybody ever been in a crowd or a mob or a riot? Have you ever been in one? Really? Sergio? John? I've been, think about the largest crowd. You've, everybody wants to know, which riots were you in? I've been in it. Um... <laughs> I was at one of the Concordia riots. Remember back in the, about 2002, I was not participating, but I, was, I got caught up in it because I had class. And it was very interesting to watch the psychology of a crowd in a riot. I uh, actually, my friends and I, who are both Christians, we went to Subway up on the second level and had a sandwich and watched the riot. After. But I had actually got hit by a police officer because I got mixed up in the crowd and accidentally uh, walked into the police line by accident. Um, and... Uh, but the idea is, you ever been in a huge crowd? What's the biggest crowd you've ever been in? The largest crowd I've ever been in, do you remember the 1995 unity rally before the Quebec referendum? I was there, down at Place Canada. I was there. They say 150 to 185,000 people. I was there. And to this day, I have the poster up in my garage of the, the, the picture. And as I've often told people, I can see myself. My friend and I are clearly at the bottom right hand of the picture. And the reason I know is he wore a bright white turtleneck and I had a green and black snowboarding jacket on and we are clearly identifiable coming in from the bottom corner because we wanted to get on TV and all the TV cameras were there. So we were there. 
It's the loudest, loudest and largest crowd I've ever been in. Have any of you ever been in a crowd that gets out of control? I was at 72,000 people at the opening of the Rugby World Cup in 1999, singing the Welsh anthem. It was in Wales. Most people there were Welsh. Were playing, Wales was playing Argentina. I had to hear 72,000 people all singing the same thing, all in one accord, all blah, whatever. Man, it was moving. You know, now I'm partly Welsh, so I guess that helps. But I mean, I think even, even if you weren't, it would be. But crowds can be interesting, right? Sometimes you just get caught up in the crowd. You kind of don't even want to be there, but everything going on gets you caught up in it. And they, they had expectations. We could probably see that when Jesus is coming, they're thinking, this is it. This is it. This is the Messiah, and we think we understand that the Messiah comes, and they're gonna, he's going to kick Rome out of Jerusalem, and we're going to have a nation, and we're going to whatever. Now, the thing is, they were projecting their expectations or their wants or desires onto Jesus. And I don't blame them because we do that today, this Palm Sunday. Right? When we mix politics with religion. When we mix the way we want the world to be with religion. We do it all the time. You see, they should have been watching. They were watching some signs, but ignoring other signs. We know Jesus rode in on a what? Does anybody know what kind of animal he rode in? Anybody know? He rode it on a donkey, not a horse. And had they known their scripture and had they studied, because it was fulfilling a prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. I think I have it up there. It said hundreds of years before, it says, Rejoice, daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming, righteous and having salvation, humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So they're saying, this is it. This is him. He's fulfilling what they saw in Zechariah. He's a Messiah. But what they should have realized is that a king coming on a donkey is not coming to wage war. He's coming to bring peace. And in fact, if we know now, if you look at the book of Revelation, the second coming of Jesus, Jesus comes riding on a horse. Because it's time to close business. Okay, but at this point, you see, he was coming on a donkey. He's coming to bring peace. Who is he coming to bring peace to? Not Jerusalem, not even the nation of Israel. He was coming to bring peace between all mankind and God. See, they projected their expectations of freedom on, oh, yay, we're going to have a free nation that throughout the years has been free and under impression, then free, then under impression. And they micro, make the microcosm of their lives helped them. And he was actually coming to open the whole of eternity up to all mankind. And you think, oh, silly Jews, don't blame them. We all do that all the time, right? Well, forgive me, I, I, you know, Jesus definitely wants conservatives in power. How do we know? Sure, generally speaking, their policies tend to match more of what church-going people believe, okay? But who, who are we to say that? Had Rome not been in power at the time that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, he would not have been crucified. You see? We get, don't project our personal likes and dislikes onto what we think Jesus should and shouldn't do. Jesus comes and turns the whole world on its head. Now, I'm going to stop in a second in case anybody's offended. I also don't think Jesus necessarily wants liberals in power, okay? So everybody relax. I'm not, I'm not showing you who I vote for here. The point is, it doesn't matter. And in the last year, too many Christians have got too much wild up in, well, Jesus thinks this, and so Jesus would... I even see things all the time. Jesus would vote like this. Jesus would do this. How do you know? 
Every time people expected Jesus to do something one way in the, in, in the Bible, he did something completely different. We saw it right before he enters Jerusalem. He got, Peter got all excited, didn't he? He was thinking the same thing. His number one follower thought, this is it. We're going to war. And when they came to arrest Jesus, he whips out his sword. And he's like, ha ha. And then he cuts off the ear of one of the temple guards. Real useful, nice, you know, you think about it, right? Because he's like us. He's all excited. He thinks, this is it. We're taking over. And Jesus says, what are you doing? First, Jesus goes and heals the soldier. And he says, Peter, what are you doing? It's not a kingdom of swords. You're, you're actually stopping me from fulfilling my mission. And we can be like that sometimes. So you see, the crowd was there going, oh, holy, 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 here's my coat, here's my coat. But they were actually completely kind of in their, actually the back of their mind, off. <clears throat> and then the Bible says, uh, a very large crowd and they all said, then listen, they entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. I was talking to another friend who told me he likes they says, the whole city was in turmoil. And asked, who is this? You see what happens to a crowd? People are running and going, ah, what's going on? I mean, who is this guy? They don't even know who it is. And the crowd answered, listen to what the crowd said. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Gal Galilee. I think it's important that they don't say, oh, this is Jesus, the coming Messiah. They still haven't quite even called him that. They're just calling him a prophet. And we go on and so on. There's every version here. <clears throat> but what they're singing is right. And absolutely correct. Let's look at one point. People are saying to him, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees, the religious people, get all upset. And they say, uh, Jesus... Tell your disciples to be quiet. They shouldn't be saying that. And this is where we get the famous scripture. If you've been around church long enough, he says, listen, if they don't say it, the rocks will. Okay, so the praise is good. I'm not saying it's bad. Now, it's important to understand what's happening here. <clears throat> listen to his disciples, their thinking. Now, remember, these people have been with him. The disciples have been with him three years. These people are just seeing him. Listen to what happens. At first, his disciples, the Bible tells us, did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified, basically after Jesus had died, resurrected, and then went to heaven, so late at the ascension, did they understand everything that was written about him. It's only then that they got it, so don't feel bad if we don't all get it today. Now listen, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus in the tomb, they began to spread the word. And many, because they had heard that, performed the sign, went out to meet him. Okay? So he's building up this, this following, if you were, and so on and so forth. So I want to ask you today to consider how do we consider ourselves, how do we come out of the crowd? How do we take ourselves out of those, identify ourselves, all those people we're talking about? Right? And understand what it means to follow Jesus. Crowds are fickle. You guys know that word fickle? Crowds are picky. Crowds change. And as we open it back to normal and crowds return to churches, guess where else they're going to return to? Bars, beaches, sporting events, downtowns, strip clubs, right? 
How do we make sure, how do we see who we are in those crowds? How do we live as Christians in the light of Jesus' death and resurrection? I want to just kind of pivot and say, we are often, Christians especially, when we're looking about the stories, we like to put ourselves in two positions, either as a hero of the story or the sidekick of the hero. Okay? So we can't be Jesus because he's the hero. So then we think, yeah, I'm one of the disciples. I want us to think more like you're one of the crowd. Okay? And how do I live now that I know who Jesus is and what he did? There's a great verse in 1 Peter. Can you put that up there? The 1 Peter one. It says, 1 Peter 2 says this, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Okay, now why, I mean, what does this have to do with Palm Sunday? I think it has everything to do with Palm Sunday, to be honest. So first, live as people who are free. Now let's cover the idea of freedom. We are free in the sense that we get to vote in elections, right? And you can worship uh, pretty much wherever you want, whoever you want, and uh, free to go to work, free to whatever. We are free. Again, I want to remind you a thousand times, when the Bible says freedom, it does not mean that type of freedom. It doesn't mean democratic freedom. As much as I love democratic freedom, as much as I love uh, being free in that sense, when the Bible says you can be free, it doesn't mean like that. So remember I told you about the people in Myanmar who are being horribly abused by their government. Somebody there who is born again by the Spirit of Christ is as free as I am. Now they do not enjoy the same freedoms democratically as I do. These are two different things. What they are free from when you follow Jesus is free from sin and death. A whole different thing. That's what Jesus came to do. That's the freedom spoken here. Free from, the, free from sin and death and that fear. So then in freedom, and knowing we are forgiven, we don't live for ourselves. And that's why it says here, don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. It's just saying, don't live, don't live your life basically like, well, I'm free now, I can do whatever I want. Jesus forgave me, so all I got to do is, when I do bad, I'll just say, sorry, Jesus, and then I'm forgiven again, and then I keep on, okay? That's what it's talking about, okay? So rather, we consecrate or we dedicate ourselves to a life of service to God. Um, how about this one? Honor everyone. I, you guys know I do this all the time. How many people does the Lord tell us to honor? The Word of God tells us to honor. How many people? Everyone. You mean even him? Yeah. Even her? Yeah. What about that person? Yep. Honor everyone. Okay? So even the most ardent Satanist who spits in your face, honor them. It's not your place to bring the opposition. The word of God is honor everyone. Now remember, let's pick it back, folks, as we come out of here, to politics. So that leader you hate from the other party, honor that person. That celebrity who says something that you don't like, honor them. That neighbor who puts their plants in the wrong place, honor them. No, but we giggle, but that's, if, if we can't honor our next door neighbor, how in the world do you think that God's going to give you cosmic powers to heal people? <laughs> you know, there's an old story, I got, it bears repeating, it's one of my favorite stories ever, 
It's from an old, I can't remember which pastor said, it was probably Ian McPherson when my parents were younger, and he was talking about, people were talking about uh, they wanted power over demons, and he said, so many of you are overweight. He says, you want power over demons, but you can't control a knife and fork. Do you get the idea? Now, if you're like me, I put on my COVID-19 too, and we've got to lose that, but the jo- the, the, it's not a joke. The point is, living a life of honoring everybody is actually not easy. And that's why God gives us the Holy Spirit, but we're going to dig even deeper. It says, love the brotherhood. Another, most virgins say, love the church. That's what it's talking about, okay? Love the church. So I see people say, well, I don't need church. Run a thousand miles per hour away from those people. Okay? And by the way, know what I love about the pandemic, what it did teach us? Remember before the pandemic, people would say, I don't need church, I go to church online? Didn't the pandemic prove for us, like, yeah, okay, you can do church online, but there's nothing like church in person. At least, now the next time people says that, we all go, okay, buddy, whatever you say, I think we've all learned that lesson. There's somebody here this morning, called me, what am I allowed back at church? And I said, well, we're working on something because at the time it was 25. He's like, put me in. I want to go in. I want my name in there. Why? Because that person's realized it's not the same, all this online stuff. Right? It's great. I'm thankful for it. But it's not the same. Now, fear God. Guys, I know we've taught this many, many times. But remember, when the Bible says fear God, it doesn't mean, oh, no, I'm afraid of God. Okay? It doesn't mean that. It's an ultimate reverence and respect for who he is and for his position in our lives. Okay? So in one sense, if you are scared of God because the Bible tells us, don't be afraid of the person that can kill your body. Be afraid of the person that can kill your soul. Right? If you're going to be afraid of somebody, I guess you should be afraid of God. But man, I see some people sometimes like, I'm no fear of God. Woo, Nelly. Not Nelly, Nelly. It's a saying. Woo, Nelly. I don't want to be that person. But what it means is God is God. So whatever I think about anything doesn't matter in the light of who God is. Now my favorite, honor the emperor. Now, you might think, well, for today, I guess, you know, for us in Canada, that would be honor the premier and honor the president, prime minister or the president if you're American or whatever. But I want you to understand the depth to which this command is coming to the people of God at this time. This is Peter writing this. Probably Mark wrote it down. Honor the emperor. So, Peter, who eventually gets killed by the emperor and is being persecuted by the emperor, says, honor the emperor. Now, this emperor wasn't like, you know, sometimes we think, oh, our politicians think they're so great. This emperor actually thought he was God and would accept worship as a god and would build statues to themselves. They all did it. And he's saying, honor him. He doesn't mean worship. Did he say worship him? No. He said, show honor, show respect, show deference. Now I'm saying, what what am I saying this for? What does this have to do with anything? Folks, if we live like this in the 21st century, it can be as countercultural as it was in the first century. The reason the church grew exponentially in the first century is because they showed honor and care amongst each other and to others that nobody else did. And so many of you maybe hear these days of the words cancel culture and everybody trying to hate on each other and everybody trying to rip each other apart. The answer to that is not to participate in that, but to turn around and love people into the kingdom of God. Listen, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and nobody was better than Christians at trying to cancel everything that came up. I remember early 80s. Do you remember Smurfs? 
Smurfs are satanic. Cancel Smurfs. Do you remember that? It's, this is a real, if you're younger, it was real. Like the, les Strumpf, that's what I'm talking about. People wanted to cancel les Strumpf. Thank God I had parents at a church that was like, okay, chill. Okay? Whatever. They didn't want to cancel mega churches that were ripping people off of millions of dollars and every preacher was sleeping around with a bunch of women. That was okay. But les Strumpf. Transformers. Thundercats. I could go on. Don't get obsessed with these things. Okay? Everybody wants to cancel everything. Don't cancel. Welcome people into your life. Honor people and meet them with the love of God. I want you to read it from the message, the whole passage from the message, okay, to understand. It says, make the master proud of you. Who's the master? God. By being good citizens. Respect authorities, whatever their level. Huh. Interesting. Easy to respect the prime minister when they have a lot of power. Not so easy when your city councillor won't get your fence permit for you. You see, like, okay, maybe I'm... Okay. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure... Listen to this now. Listen to what's going on and how people don't understand the church. Listen to this. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of fools who think you're a danger to society. And let me tell you, there are a lot of people who are in some ways rightly saying that Christians are one of the biggest problems, especially in the West, because of the way that we have acted. Not we, this church, generally acted. Okay? So how do we help cure that ignorance? By loving them, by doing good. Okay? Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. I love that. Everybody is made in the image of God. Look around you. Everybody in this room is made in the image of God. Now I want you to close your eyes and think of the person that annoys you the most. The person sometimes you see them, you know, you just... And that person is made in the image of God and worthy of respect and dignity and honor. And that's where the rubber meets the road. That's why Jesus took the path into Jerusalem knowing he was going to die. To bring... Because all of us are valuable to him. Treat, love your spiritual family, that's us. Revere God and respect the government. Amen? So, that's the challenge today. And next week we're going to talk about the resurrection and the, 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 you know, the, the grave and all that stuff. It's amazing stuff and whatever and, and, and it's exciting stuff. But as we're now back in person and we're about to open up and maybe have more normal interactions... Imagine a church of people that, not like the crowd who one day was like, oh, oh, Hosanna, 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 save us, Lord, save us, Lord. And then a few days later, kill him, kill him, kill him. Because they had the wrong motivations, they had the wrong understanding, and they were looking for something that wasn't there. Let's not be like that. Let's make people understand that Jesus came to save our souls, which means he came to save everybody's souls. And the way to spread that word, the way to spread the gospel, the way to share the gospel is not by being defensive. It's not by being angry. It's not being whatever. It's by being loving, honoring, and being truly free. Amen? This is a, so going back now to the idea of Palm Sunday. And if people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As I told you, it's um, in the book of Psalms, that song, 
And in fact, um, I was reading something by somebody named Garrett Kell. He's a pastor somewhere in the U.S. You know, in 700 B.C., so in 700 B.C., so 2,800 years ago, roughly, the prophet Isaiah had a vision of heaven filled with angels saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's Isaiah 6. Okay? 800 years after that, okay, the apostle John, when he was writing the book of Revelation, had a similar vision of angels still crying, Holy, holy. Holy, holy. Okay? That's the God we worship. So according, he says, according to the angels, we will never be bored of God in heaven, I would say, and on earth. Book of Revelation tells us this. Again, I looked. I think, do you have that one? Do you have the last verse? It's like a black sort of background. What did I put up there? Uh, Press a button. There you go. After I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and standing before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Ah! And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so we come for a circle because on Palm Sunday, when they were rightly putting down those palms and whatever, it, the book of Revelation tells us that there's a day coming when people from every tribe and every tongue and every language will be before the Lamb, who is Jesus. And what are they holding? Again, in the right way, holding palm branches, waving Him and seeing salvation belongs to our God. And if even you look around today, and you have a small microcosm of what's happening, look, I see people, I see several shades of melanin, right? Some with more than others. I see several languages. I see several generations. We are a small example of heaven on earth not to come but that's now existing and that's what the world needs to hear and see amen so my encouragement this morning is come out of the crowd don't get messed up with the crowd that's deciding what jesus is and who jesus is we know what he came for he came to save us from our sins i love that deanne opened the service with john 3 16 he god so loved the world he gave his only son whoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life that's what it's all about. So I wonder if you'll stand up with me this morning. Okay. Now, if it, was, if it wasn't COVID times, I could have got everybody dollar store palm branches. And we could all uh, be waving them. I thought about it, but then I thought, I don't want to get in COVID trouble. Um, you know, so listen to what John said. I looked. And before me was a multitude that no one could count. Okay, well, I can count you guys, but you're still a multitude. Okay, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Good enough. And they were wearing white robes. Okay, we don't have white robes. And we don't, but that's fine. And they all said, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So I wonder, if you're a believer this morning, you mind just raising your hands up to heaven. Raise up your hands to heaven. You can't sing. Did you know that? It's a rule. The congregation can't sing, but they never said you can't talk. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, they never said you can't talk. Okay? So I wonder if you'll just repeat after me. Salvation belongs to our God. Who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. Now today, if you're not a Christian here this morning, or if you need prayer, I want you to just Trust me this morning. This is a house of love. This is a house of place where we're, we're here to help you and here to 
All we want to do is point you towards Jesus, okay? There's a whole lot of things going on, but ultimately, all we want to do is point you to Jesus, okay? So if you need prayer this morning, I want you, don't be shy, just raise up your hand. If you feel like you're far away from God this morning, put up your hand. If you feel like you need healing this morning, put up your hand. If you feel like you need something to help you understand what you just heard, put up your hand. Whatever it is, you just raise your hand. I see one hand raised already. Don't worry, it's a house of love. We're just sharing and everything, okay? This is what it's about. We're all here to help and support each other. Okay, so my first word of encouragement to you who put up your hands is, okay, so let this be like a, what the, uh, I keep on coming up with big words, excuse me, a demarcation. What's another word? Help me out here, somebody. Uh, um, a point of change, a point of reference, uh, a pit stop, okay, that you don't come back to, okay? So put up your hand again, those of you who wanted prayer, okay, and say, okay, it is March 28th, 2021, and I'm, I'm making a decision now to move on for this thing I'm dealing with now, this thing I need prayer for now, I'm dealing with it today. And I'm dealing with it at the throne of God. It's not just because Richard's talking and Richard's not doing anything special or magical or even spiritual. It's God himself by his Holy Spirit who is here in this room and he's speaking to you and he wants to make it right. He wants to heal you, he wants to reveal something to you, he wants to speak to you. So those of you who are believers, would you raise your hands in, in, in support with them or towards the folks who, are raised, who have their hands raised? And we just want to pray with them now. Lord, I pray for every person that raised their hand, whether they're here or at home or whatever it is. Lord, I pray that they will know a healing, a release. Lord, Lord, uh, confirmation, Lord, uh, whatever it is that they need, Lord, a removal of doubt, of fear, of anxiety, Lord, help them to know that you love them and that you're there for them. Lord, if there's people here this morning or online this morning that have things going on in their life that they know they need to stop or start or whatever, Lord, give them that oomph, that push that they need. Help them to understand, Lord, that they need the help and support of the Holy Spirit every day and every morning. Lord, help them to know that you are there for them. Lord, if there's people here that fear far from you, Lord, help them to know that you draw near. Lord, so many times your word says you come and knock, that you draw near. So Lord, help them to know that if you, if they call upon your name, you will answer. Lord, I pray for each and every person. I pray for anybody here or online doesn't know you as our Lord and Savior, that today they'll know what it is to call you their friend, Lord, that they'll know what it is to experience the salvation of their soul. But Lord, salvation alone belongs to you and you sit on the throne, Lord. And we thank you this morning for everything you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, it was great to have you all back. As long as the government keeps the rules as is, Friday night, communion, 7 o'clock. Next Sunday, normal. Spread the word. We have enough room to fit most people. We have enough room to keep everybody socially distanced. I would ask one small thing, just so we don't cause any uh, whatever. I love all of you, and I want to talk to all of you, but we all have to make our way, okay, out of the building, uh, just so we don't uh, mingle too much. Uh, is that okay? But I do bless you. Thank you, everybody who joined online. God bless you guys. We'll see you around. If you can't come in person, keep coming online, okay? God bless you. Take care.